Hello, and welcome to the Shingo Principles Podcast, the podcast for those interested in building a culture of continuous improvement and sustainable organizational excellence. I'm your host, Mary Price, with the Shingo Institute, a program in the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. The Shingo Principles Podcast is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with thought leaders and practitioners around the world experienced in transforming cultures using principles, systems, and tools. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. In this episode of the Shingo Principles podcast, we hear from Ken Siegel from Value Capture, a Shingo licensed affiliate, as he shares his insights on using your crisis muscles to accelerate your organizational excellence journey. For many organizations, their crisis operation structure works because it bridges major gaps in their normal operating structure, but crisis operations aren't sustainable indefinitely. A year into the COVID crisis, as we search for resilience for ourselves as leaders and in our teams, leaders can avoid a crash by converting the most important elements of their crisis management structure to their standard operating structure, but with improvements. The key is to apply the Shingo guiding principles to understand why elements of crisis operations work for a period and how they can successfully be converted and sustained in the work improvement and management systems of the organization. Welcome everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Mary Price. I'm the events and marketing manager at the Shingo Institute at Utah State University. I'm so excited to have Ken Siegel with us today. Ken has served in many different roles in his lifetime. Currently, he's the co-founder and managing partner of Value Capture. Value Capture is a Shingo licensed affiliate. They're certified to teach all of the Shingo workshops. Their primary focus is healthcare. However, they've worked with clients in many other industries as well. And I'm sure you'll see from Ken's presentation today that he's very passionate about helping healthcare organizations improve their systems so they can eliminate all risks to patients. And with that, Ken, I'll turn the time over to you. Thanks so much, Mary. We always start our meetings with a reminder of physical and psychological safety. So as we return from perhaps gathering with family and friends from across the U.S., let's take a moment to consider how we might best protect those not in our immediate circle during the five to seven day window when an unwitting COVID exposure might convert for one of us. And I also want to acknowledge the psychological and physical safety burden of yet another COVID variant of significant concern. I'd like to begin my talk by noting the moment the idea for this podcast and webinar cemented for me. Toward the end of 2020, I was speaking with a senior vice president at a major health system, and she told me that for the fourth time in the pandemic, the middle managers were pushing like crazy to enter incident command mode a very formal designation in healthcare with formalized structures, and that their reasons went beyond coping with the current COVID wave. Tell me more, I said. They know they can quickly escalate issues they need help solving and get answers and help back within 24 hours at the most, she said. In great contrast to normal times, not to mention in incident command mode, their safety as employees and the safety of their patients now seem to be firmly at the top of the agenda, not only for themselves, but for the health system's top leaders every day. 
And I realized I'd been seeing very similar examples everywhere, right from the beginning. Places where the shock of COVID was forcing us to change dramatically how we operated, changes that were in some cases very positive improvements to help bridge big long-standing gaps in our cultures, systems, and performance. So therefore, astute leaders realize that the crisis has revealed potential for greater levels of operational excellence in our organizations than existed before the pandemic. The trick is how to get there. The challenges include the reality that crisis operations aren't sustainable indefinitely. In more than a year and a half into the COVID crisis, most organizations are in a desperate search for ways to rebuild resilience for both leaders and teams. So how to proceed? Like a lot of things, the power starts by asking the right question. And I think for leaders, the right starting question goes something like this. How do we preserve not just the what, a few of the specific changes that have occurred by necessity, but consciously and explicitly learn the deeper lessons of why they worked, and in some cases didn't work, and organize ourselves around those reasons in a relentless journey of improvement? From that question, all is possible. The Shino Guiding Principles offer a powerful framework to help us do this. They can help us understand why elements of our crisis operations work so powerfully for a period and how they can be successfully converted, embedded, and sustained into the work system, improvement system, and management system of the organization. This hypothesis is backed by evidence, by the way the underlying deep organizational research base of the Shingo Institute about why some organizations outperform others sustainably across time. And the fact that the early data suggests that the organizations that were deeper along the type of journey I will describe have performed better than their peers through the extended crisis. But before we talk about how to do that, a bit of background. What are the Shingo principles if you're not familiar? And for that matter, what is the definition of principle? In the Shingo movement, we posit that a leader's fundamental role is to bring these principles to life in the culture of the organization, so it's important to understand what they are. Shingo defines a principle as the foundational rule that governs consequences, whether we want to believe in the principle or not. That last part is really important, whether we want to believe in it or not. The principle is operating in the background, and when our actions, which we call behaviors in the Shingo movement, align with it, good things happen. And when our actions don't, bad things happen. We say principles are timeless, universal. They apply everywhere, always to everyone, and evident. That means they can be discovered, researched, proven. Stephen R. Covey taught us that values govern our actions, but principles govern the consequences of our actions. A good analogy is gravity. You do not have to believe in gravity for it to govern consequences. And notwithstanding this little bit of office satire, if you jump from a height without protection, you will fall and may be injured. If you instead choose the stairs and hold the handrail as a way to get down because you're aware of gravity's universal force or don't attempt a backflip off your colleague's desk, you are more likely to be safe. So the Shingo guiding principles are the gravity of organizational performance, and they can explain at a fundamental level why certain aspects of crisis operations mode have answered deep pre-existing unmet needs and how we can create sustainable systems in our organizations based on those insights. Shingo also offers leaders a powerful framework for thinking through how to do this, starting with their role in the core strategy of driving those principles into the organization via the organizational systems they oversee 
anchored by their own behavior, of course. We refer to this as the Shingo Diamond, and I'll return to it as a bookend at the end of our few minutes together. Now it's time to get more concrete with specific examples from the healthcare industry with which we're most familiar and do most of our work, but not all, as Mary said. So to do so, I'm gonna give an example of crisis operations, talk about the unmet need uh, that it filled for the organization and its customers, and then tie it to a particular Shingo principle or several and explain how it can be applied to embed the right behaviors in the organization going forward sustainably. The first example is one where the simple force of the pandemic produced a breakthrough for a wide variety of organizations, but there's a great risk of missing the deeper connection and therefore the profound potential benefit. The second example is from a specific organization that was further into its operational excellence journey when the crisis hit. Their conscious use of the principles offers the rest of us something of a template for how we can successfully capture that same power into the future intentionally. As I do this, know that in my article on the Shingo website, there is both a bit more detailed explanation and a chart with examples illustrating this flow with a majority of the Shingo principles. The link is easily found under articles on the Shingo Institute website at shingo.org. So for my first example, in March 2020, as the first sudden disorienting shutdowns were ordered, hospitals and health systems immediately stood up command center or incident command structures anchored by a top tier daily or twice daily meeting led at the CEO C-suite level. And in those meetings, critical organizational priorities were determined and deployed and learnings were shared and it's profound uncertainty and danger. One of the first great urgencies they faced was how they could continue to see patients safely beyond those coming to them with COVID. You may recall that most healthcare organizations had to immediately shut down all elective surgeries, a major source of revenue and profit margin, and that patients pull back on most primary care. So standing up telehealth so that doctors and patients could interact over video and phone safely became an incredible priority. And most organizations who had dabbled and struggled in prior years to get to help telehealth going, created and deployed fully capable platforms within one to two weeks and were amazed that they could do it that fast. The government also cleared away payment barriers at the same time, also amazing. Obviously, a major health and business case existential threat drove this breakthrough. But now here's the important part. Once stood up at scale, amazing discoveries happened. It turns out that many patients and family members prefer, preferred telehealth visits, such as many frail elderly who now didn't have to struggle with transportation and exhaustion from long appointment waits. Many physicians appreciated it too for creating more flexible work options. And rapid studies showed that for many types of care, quality was not adversely affected. In the case of expanded access to mental health care, in particular segments and modalities, access and outcomes were improved. So pre-COVID, before widespread telehealth, deep customer needs were there all along, but were really unmet. One of the Shingo principles governing here comes from the enterprise alignment dimension of the Shingo pyramid, create value for the customer. This principle dictates that this has to be an anchoring constant drive of any organization which is to sustain itself and certainly to be excellent. So what was happening in healthcare prior to COVID? The truth is that we in healthcare are not usually truly anchored to creating value for customers. We use the profound fact that we are engaged in the healing arts as enough value creation that don't push deeper into what patients value and need in their total experience systemically. 
Looking past COVID, the key for leaders is not just to focus on the what, keep telehealth. The lesson to learn is that a fundamental role of leaders is to create and focus to focus organizations on the most important big dot goals, to create enterprise alignment rooted in create value for the customer. I mean, really, how could we have not been rooted more fundamentally here in the first place? And coach aggressive aligned action to achieve them more rapidly than you ever thought you could. That means that strategy development is not a yearly academic exercise that in fact leaves 300 organizational priorities limping along, but instead a dynamic process providing relentless clarity about where the organization is going and the most important immediate targets to get there. Ones that broadly make things better and teach a new way of thinking, a new way of thinking that spreads and makes lots more things better in a virtuous cycle. So your oper crisis operations center should not go away. Transform it for this purpose to, in part, anchor the whole organization moving in the same direction every day toward these relentlessly revealed and clearly defined big dot goals. And of course, tie it, tie it deeply to daily operations. But remember, it's about more than preserving the right elements of your crisis system and tools. Let's reflect on this. Good organizations tie linked management system huddles for each level of the organization to a visual management center and problem solving up and down the organization on a daily, weekly, and monthly cadence, weaving everything together in strat focused strategy cascades and information flows. But great organizations anchor these flows deeply and transparently to the Shingo principles, like create value for the customer and the essential ideal behaviors required to bring them to life in the organization. Now for our second example. And as I mentioned, because it comes from an organization that consciously sought to base its incident management operations mode and principles with explicit ideal behaviors to bring them to life, it offers us all a template for how we can make best use of our crisis muscles to capture future gains. The Shingo principle create constancy of purpose also falls into the enterprise alignment category. Create constancy of purpose is explained as an unwavering understanding of why the organization exists, where it is going and how it will get there, enables people to align their actions as well as to innovate, adapt and take risks with greater confidence. So when a leader creates those powerful conditions for everyone in the organization, our hypothesis about principles governing consequences poses that good things will happen. And if they don't, less positive outcomes for the organization will occur. At one large health system, a chief safety officer and two peers far ahead of others in the country began preparing for the arrival of COVID, recognizing they would be dealing with both great fear and great uncertainty. Accordingly, they knew they had to establish key imperatives that would govern everyone, no matter what, when nothing seemed clear. There were three. First, everyone, including every level of leader in the organization, medical and operational, formal and informal, has autonomy to take action as long as you follow the following two imperatives. One, you may not send a caregiver into harm's way. Zero harm to caregiver is, caregivers is the standard. Two, best care for every patient, as long as it can be maintained, and the health system alone will decide when care protocols must be changed. Implicitly and tied to these imperatives was another. When you are at risk of not fulfilling one of these, get help. This strategy was geared amidst the profound fear of the time to keep people from freezing or fleeing, and instead to focus together on the fight. 
It worked because everyone simultaneously had both agency to act, a key point, within guardrails from the behavioral imperatives. This is one of the key powers of harnessing universal principles of excellence so explicitly. They simultaneously guide everyone in a complex organization in very positive aligned ways while unleashing their freedom to act within those broad, powerful guidelines. So those principle-based imperatives went to the top of the visual board at the top tier instant command center twice a day, daily huddle and cascaded all the way down and back up rapidly across the organization. The cascaded huddles in problem solving energized by these imperatives really turbocharged the problem solving. More than 600 solutions and counting were delivered, tested, refined and re-refined based on escalations from the front line. This scientifically structured rapid problem solving to eliminate harm guided by leaders who were very clear that they didn't have the answers, but humbly would have to help their teams discover them by providing support in the systems to do so, pulled in three other powerful Shingo principles, lead with humility, embrace scientific thinking, and seek perfection. They really progressed the depth of their work on embrace scientific thinking, by the way. Instead of solutions from on high, which would be universally ignored and worked around, the front lines gradually got used to participating in rapid improvement cycles, starting with minimum viable products that at the start of the crisis, by the way, drew comments like this solution stinks. This health system safety outcomes are far better than other health systems for patients and caregivers alike, and they are much more stable than their peers today. Now for the negative consequences where the principles weren't followed at health systems where safety had not been raised to the level of creating constancy of purpose for everyone in the organization before and during the crisis, more of a vicious cycle has taken hold, where leaders continued to act top down or did not work to prevent all harm and scientific thinking was not embraced. There's greater mistrust, more call-offs, more resignations and retirements, and less effective problem solving. All of these compound pressures on remaining staff and lead to increased safety incidents and poorer outcomes. So thinking post-COVID, what are the lessons that these interconnected principles guide us to? We at Value Capture believe there is no better way to organize the constancy of purpose that we all crave from our organizations than to lead with safety always, not just in a safety crisis. Lead with safety, not as a priority, but as a precondition. Seeking perfection is the strongest foundation for your much more dynamic improvement and management systems. A focus on safety for team members and patients alike starts everyone's day with something that is unarguably most important and focuses on everyone on learning to be excellent at solving the problems that make a fundamental difference to all scientifically. Safety commitment led by leaders builds culture and belief in the organization, a belief many organizations desperately need to rebuild. Also, remember the essential structure which occurred here and consider how it could apply in your organization. They use principles to give both agency, freedom to act, and guardrails to everyone in the organization. The magic is this creates tremendous energy and it's aligned energy. To pull it off, it has to be crystal clear to folks what the principles that we will live by are, and leaders have to continuously drive the evolution of their systems to support them transparently and continuously every day. So in your organizations, as we move from pandemic to endemic, what governing principles will you embrace? Remember, they're operating in the background, whether we acknowledge them or not, supported by what crucial systems? 
Obviously, this starts with a deep reflection cycle in our organizations from CEO to the front line. At the deepest level, what have we learned about who we were, who we are, and who we want to be? How will we work every day to get there? While these conversations should not and can't wait, to do this effectively, leaders need to learn the principles themselves, then learn how to build systems which embed them in connected ways across the organization. Then you need to practice, get in the habit of applying, and build your skills to do so. A key free Shingo framework, which I mentioned, to help leaders recognize and define their role, it's been quite transformative in my coaching experience, has been the Shingo Diamond. Leaders' key role is to drive principles into the organization, guiding principles at the top, via ideal behaviors derived from the principles, which taken together create the culture of the organization, the, the right at the heart of the diamond, and it's those ideal behaviors that directly create the outcomes we seek. Those behaviors are what drive the outcomes. And so leaders drive this virtuous cycle via overseeing the construction and operation of systems consisting of linked tools working together that make the ideal behaviors easy and non-ideal behaviors very hard to do. Shingo helps you understand how to do that, to build and operate the organizational systems so that they tap into the power of the principles. Uh, there are three types of systems in an organization by broad classification listed here, and every system has five linked communication tools that together help us drive ideal behaviors we seek. By the way, this explicit systems design teaching content from Shingo is a recent improvement from the Institute itself, which of course strives to live the principles every day. To learn more, my blog post with more examples is available on the Shingo website, but you'll want to go a bit deeper with the principles in their application. To do that, there are several paths to gaining this knowledge and capability which Shingo can help you with. Starting with the foundational and powerful Shingo workshop series and help in coaching from certified Shingo affiliates like Value Capture. We periodically run public workshops with a key one coming up, the capstone to the series, Build Excellence, with our colleagues at Penn Medicine, Lancaster General Health. A shout out to many of our colleagues uh, from Lancaster who are on the call today. Um, and uh, we're really looking forward to that. It is important as you think about public workshops or private for that matter, to realize that Discover Excellence is the prerequisite workshop, which you must take before the others move through system design to the deeper workshops and then the capstone. And private workshops are the other option uh, for one single organization from us or any other affiliate. These are really powerful ways to accelerate a single organization forward. It's been a great pleasure sharing these thoughts and preliminary learnings with you. And so for more help, please contact me uh, or Value Capture through our website um, at valuecapture.com or the Shingo Institute at shingo.org. Um, I am excited and, and eager for your questions and learnings you wish to share. For us, it is always all teach, all learn. And at this time when we've all been living through such an intense consequential moment uh, and the power of universal principles are so evident in each of our lives, it's more important than ever that we reflect deeply together on what we've learned and how we're moving forward. So please, what's on your mind? What would you like to share? Great, thank you so much, Ken. First question. 
Given the high amount of turnover in the healthcare right now, have you seen any differences in this turnover between organizations earlier versus further along in their lean journey? Absolutely, it's a great question and I think it goes to the heart of this. Organizations that were deeper into their lean or principle-based journey um, are seeing, preliminary evidence suggests, uh, lesser rates of turnover, burnout, lower injury rates, et cetera, than their peers. Um, and it, it shouldn't surprise us, right? Because there was a deeper attachment to knowing what's, you know, and I, I chose the uh, principle of constancy of purpose, for example, to, to highlight here, because when nothing seems certain, people that were in organizations that they felt that they could count on what would be true no matter what, and that everyone would be in it together, working together according to certain known principles and connected in specific ways. It made it easier for people to hang in there. And by the way, the capabilities were already much greater for problem solving. There was, people were much more used to transparency, right? People were much more used to moving forward rapidly together in a problem solving that didn't work was not a big deal because you could then move on to the next thing very rapidly. And everybody sort of knew that drill and knew that way of staying linked. And so it shouldn't surprise us that, um, again, the virtuous cycle as close as can be amidst, you know, the, the great uh, trauma and trial that we're all going through right here is in those organizations that were more mature and um, in that those having the toughest time, many of them, uh, with, a, with a cycle that is not virtuous, but indeed is, is vicious, are, are those where these fundamental uh, principles of true excellence were not deeply set and where the faith was not there. Um, I wrote about this with John Toussaint um, from Catalysis as early as last summer and some of the early data um, around harm that was starting to emerge and how the organizations that were further ahead were forestalling much more harm than others. So great question. I think we'll see more and more of this pattern emerge as good data starts to emerge from our organizations and look forward to further research from the Shingo Institute, CLEAR and healthcare and others who are certainly looking at this. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Ken. We always learn so much from you. And thanks to our listeners for joining in and for all of your great questions. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you're looking for additional educational opportunities or you would like to learn more about the Shingo model, please visit our website at shingo.org. Please remember to subscribe and to tune in to next time.